0: So I am catching you right in between Christmas and New Year's. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas, and this has just been a relaxing time, very joy-filled, and I hope that you are enjoying this Brave Mom series. If you did not listen to episode 30, go listen to that first. It will give you an intro into why I even wanted to do this little special for the podcast and comparing it to the book of Joshua and how the Lord said to him many times within that first chapter, he said, be brave, be strong and courageous. Do not grow weary, you can do this. I know you can, don't go weak. You got this, don't have any fear. And I think that we as moms, we are always called to rise up for our families, but this world can make it so hard to be brave sometimes. And I know you're like me in the sense that when you are surrounded by moms doing pretty incredible things in everyday real life, it inspires you to be better in your journey as well. So that's my hope with this series. But go back and listen to that episode 30 if you haven't. And of course, catch episode 31 with Sarah Gardner. But today we are talking to my dear friend, Jeanette Tapley, about her journey to adoption of her little girl and how. They fought to have her, and this is a story of true bravery, of a mom just going where God called her to go. Enjoy this, friends. I know it's really going to touch your heart right now, and I hope it just inspires you to stand up and be courageous, too. Come along, friend. Let's grow. Welcome to families that stick together Just step right over the random pile of clothes where it looks like all my kids melted. Turn right past the pile of papers still out from last month's school project. Maybe don't look at the sink. And make yourself at home friend this is where our family of six hangs out it's where our real life happens stay long enough to be reminded of what we both already know that swimming upstream is not without much work and grace but it does come with friends who are rooting you on just as fiercely as the way you love your strong family we work together here as friends so we can get to the end knowing we did well come along with us to gather together to grow through it all welcome friend with your laundry, your running shoes, or your cup of coffee. I can't wait to spend my time with you. I've been excited to introduce you all to Jeanette because she is really the hidden um, face behind how families that stick together really started. Jeanette was my producer for Jeanette, I don't even know how many episodes it was at this point. I don't know. I don't remember.
1: Four, six? The
0: first. Yes, probably. But then you did my intro music, my outro and everything. But I want to publicly here say thank you so much because when I knew I wanted to have a podcast, I remember Matt saying, what the heck are you going to do? You don't know how to do a podcast. And I said, well, I'm going to take Steph's course. That's Stephanie. Yes. And then I said, and Jeanette produces podcasts. I'm sure she'll produce my podcast. I hadn't even asked you, but I just (laughs) knew you were going to do it. (laughs) I (laughs) totally
1: was.
0: (laughs) You totally were. And, but I wanted to tell you, you knowing you and knowing I could trust you, just gave me the confidence to know that I can make this happen. So thank you for that. And even though you, Jeanette didn't bail out on me, you all, (laughs) (laughs) she um, got asked to be a part of a, a bigger podcasting producing company, which she took, and it was such a good move for her. And she had built her own producing production company, basically, and then moved on. And so it was, it was perfect though, because it threw me into editing my own, but you had already shown me that it was super easy and possible. So thank you for that.
1: Oh, thank you. And I have to say thank you because early on in my podcasting, you took a gamble on me and you were a guest on my show. And, and since then we've just built a really cool friendship where we get to talk about like the ins and outs of business, the highs and the lows and, like we just have a friend with us this whole time and it's really, really special. And I just am so thankful to you for that.
0: Oh, likewise. And you're right. You, I would say took more of a gamble on me having me on your podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Because that was early on in in building together moments. And I I really appreciate that. And we figured out our Kentucky connection with your parents.
1: Yeah, we still need to go back up. We haven't been up there in like years, so I need to go up there soon. My yes, and when you do,
0: I will absolutely make that trip. It's so worth it. It's only like a two-hour drive for me. It'll be so fun. that would be a blast. I will be there. But the real reason Jeanette is here—it's not to talk about her, it's time for coffee podcast that she is the host of, or to talk about it's time for Jesus, her incredible devotional that she wrote, or about her new book coming <laughs> up, hopefully being. Um, published in 2021. It's because I want you all to hear Jeanette's story of being a brave mom and answering God's call in her life. And I have been wanting to do this series for so long. And Jeanette, you've been on my list of who I would invite to share her story. So it's you. And I, I would just want you to um, just inspire everyone listening about your story to be open to adoption and bringing a beautiful little girl into your family. So the, the stage is yours. Just <laughs> let's start sharing about how you feel that you really are stepping up to that bravery that God asked Joshua to be confident in with him, just be strong and courageous. You can do this. I know you can, and I'll keep reminding you over and over, but I know you can do
1: it. Yeah. I love when you talk about that because that verse says that uh, Joshua one, nine says, "Have I not commanded you. Like it's a command to be brave. It's a command to let go of fear. And it's something that when I get to speak at churches, I get to talk a lot about it's one of my very favorite things. And I always tell people like, I don't view myself as a courageous person. I've fought fear so long, like in my childhood, in my adult life, fear has always just been like a constant companion. And so, um, I remember that verse all the time, like, okay, have I not commanded you? Like it is, it is legit command from the Lord to for us to be strong and courageous, to not be terrified, but to remember that he is with us no matter what. And I think, um, so our adoption story is one that, man, the Lord was really, really, really with us. And I know, um, just to start our Jesse grew up with a um aunt who's a foster mom and so she had um foster kids in and out of her house her, his entire life and he got to just kind of see that from afar because they lived in a different state but he always said like oh man I'd love to foster and I said no I will not I can't foster. I'll get too attached it'll break my heart too many times I just can't handle it. And then when we had our own kids, our biological boys, we were just kind of like done with that. And then we moved from Alaska to Texas. And I really feel like that was... it was like a really visual, the the Lord really works in visual pictures with me. And it was like us taking our family tree, like our family uprooting and replanting. And when he did that with us and for us, it was really hard because we had no family down here. We had one set of friends, um, who we had kind of, we, we were doing life with them at the time, um, in Alaska and they moved to Texas too. So it was really sweet, but, um, it was really different, really hard, and then nine months later, I'm just reading a book as I normally do love to read. And I was reading the book kisses from Katie. And it talks about this young girl who has everything. She has an American dream life and she goes to Uganda and God wrecks her world. She sees the orphan crisis in a very real way. She sees um, poverty and hurt and all this stuff. And she's just telling her story. And she just keeps talking about how she was 18 years old and she kept taking in little girls who needed a place to stay. She became a mom at like 18 or 19 to, I think it's like 11 little girls. And while I was reading it, I just remember so clearly the Lord saying to me, Hey, I've called you to be a mom what are you going to do about the motherless? And I was like, "Uh, I don't know. (laughs) And so like, I remember slamming my book shut. I looked at Jesse and I said, Hey, I think we might should adopt or sponsor like a hundred little kids. Like, I I don't know where we're going here, but it's going to be one of these two. And he said, (laughs) why don't you finish the book and see how the story ends? like just see how it ends. And this is a true story. And so of, of Katie Davis, um, and her name is now Katie Davis majors cause she's married. Um, and so it was just this shock to the system of like, Oh, there's actually children out there like who need a family. And we've known about adoption and all that stuff. And and it's always been like, oh, that's great for you. And um, we have our kids. We, you know, like we're we don't suffer from infertility. We don't like we don't need to adopt because we're fine. And so the Lord wrecked my life. <laughs> and Jesse Jesse kind of said, Okay, well let let finish the book, see how it ends, and then we'll start praying. And so we were at a church here in Texas that was just really, really beautifully aware of the orphan epidemic. And they cared so much about the fatherless and it was so beautiful and we we're so thankful to be a part of that. And we kind of put those pieces together like, Oh, that's why we're here. Okay. Um, and it was just really crazy of God to call us to do these things while we were alone.
0: Can I interrupt you? Yeah. Okay. So if I were to say when did you first hear God calling you, yeah. would it be
1: reading that book? Yeah. Had you, yeah. had your heart been stirred at all before that? No, not at all. Not at all because I, we were totally fine. We were good. We had our two boys. We said over and over and over the world is set for a family of four. Why would we add another kid to this mix? Like we can go on airplanes. We can go to hotels. We can, <laughs> like, It's easy this way. And so we were all about that easy way until. So. Okay. That's awesome. Keep going about your church. So, yeah. Um, so the church was just really, really open-minded. It was really, really aware. And we were just so thankful for that, especially since we were alone. And so we just started that process and it was, the first step was like finding where we were going to adopt from. Okay. Where are we going to go? And so we just started Googling like countries and we knew we wanted to adopt from Africa. Like that was a very like, okay, so we're going to do an African adoption. And I don't really know why we knew that. We just knew. And so we started Googling countries in Africa and their adoption requirements. And there were some where we weren't old enough to adopt from. And there were some that you had to be in country for six months. So we just like slowly like crossed off countries off our list. And then the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is where Zoe is from, we chose that country because it was the easiest. It had the uh, least amount of time in country. It was a six to nine month process, excuse me, six to nine month process. And um yeah, we were like, oh piece of cake, this is what this is exactly what we're doing. Well Zoe's country shut down mid adoption. And so her her six to nine month process took about three years. And so it was a long, long ordeal. And um So then it ends up being three years. Did yeah. you
0: know Zoe was your baby from the beginning? It was probably a year in. Okay. All right, go ahead. I just wanted yeah. to set that up so yeah. as you continue.
1: Sorry for all your editing.
0: No, it's fine. I have a uh, week, yeah. With a major holiday in between. I'm
1: just right. no big deal. No big deal, right? <laughs> just totally edit on fine. Christmas Eve.
0: It's totally
1: fine. Um. Okay. So we started the process. We decided to adopt from Congo, and uh, Zoe's country then started shutting down. So kids weren't being assigned to families. Courts weren't operating. All of this stuff was happening, and we were just kind of left waiting. Um, and so we had paid all this money we were in the process. We just didn't have a child yet. And so I would email our agency every week. Hey, what's going on? What's the news in Congo? Like, how are you guys doing? What's going on? And they're like, stop emailing us, Jeanette. We'll let you know. But it was just like my job to check in and, and see what was going on. And so at one point when you, when you do an adoption process or when you start, you kind of fill out this like questionnaire of like everything you would like desire in a child. And it's the weirdest thing. It's like playing God. It's so weird. So we said, okay, I want a two to four year old little girl, no major health issues. Um, so we, we asked for like, no, like we asked that our child not be HIV positive, stuff like that. So you're just kind of like checking all these things, like you want to deal with and you don't want to deal with. And so I had said, Hey, what if we wanted to amend our checklist? Could we add in that we would be willing to accept a deaf child? Because Jesse was raised, his, his aunt, who was a foster mom, was a deaf foster mom. So she took in a lot of deaf children. And I said, we could do that. Like we could, we could figure that out. <laughs> that would be fine. And so she's like, okay, cool. I'll make that note on your chart. I'm like, cool. Thanks. So then about a, probably three weeks later, they are like, Good news, Tapleys. We have a child for you, and they assigned a sweet little girl named Natalie. And so at that point, you like look over her chart, you look over her file, and you say yes or no. And I was a mom who was always like yes, right away. Yep, sure, give me give me this child. And so I was like, yep, that sounds good. So we sign the paper on her. Like we get all of our no- like all of our notaries done, and then we wait. Then you wait for the lawyer to pick up the paperwork and all this stuff. Like it was always my job to hurry up and wait. So like do your part and then wait, do your part and then wait. And we signed papers on Natalie. And then the next day we get in um, our Facebook group, which is just like part, there's so many parts of our story that just like, make me mad. (laughs) And to get this notification on Facebook of all places was like, Hey, who was the family who wanted the deaf child? And I'm like, well, that was us. We just accepted another little girl. And so I emailed Amy, our lady, (laughs) I emailed our agent. I was like, Hey, that was us. What's going on? Like, what's, what's the deal here? And she's like, well, this little girl just came in. She's about three, um, abandoned. So we just like, she's an orphanage now. We just have to figure out what we're going to do for her. I was like, well, can we adopt both children? (laughs) And she's like, you could. And Jesse's like, nope, we sure can't. And I was like, um, all right. So then Jesse and I had to sit, we took probably three days and we had to like weigh the pros and cons of these two little girls, which is just unfathomable. Like, I can't even imagine how we had these conversations now and so we, the last morning we were like, okay, cause we had to go through like, okay, so what would this look like bringing a deaf child into our home? Okay. So we all can learn sign language. That's not like, that's fine. Um, what about like our families? What are our families going to think? How, how are our siblings going to react and all of this stuff. And we already had had these conversations because of bringing, bringing somebody into our family, like adopting, we already said like, How would our families react to an adopted child and would they all be kind, not kind, but would they be accepting and understanding all this stuff? So then we're like, okay, so now we're going to throw a really big wrench in it and she's not going to be able to hear, communicate um, in in our way. And so we went to a local breakfast spot and sat down over like waffles and pancakes and said, okay, like at the count of three, (laughs) you say what you think and I'll say what I think. And we both, um, Zoe's name before she was adopted was Rosette. And so we both like one, two, three Rosette. And so we just knew that she was to be ours. And so at that point we had to call our agency and say, okay, I know we signed on this little girl, but how do we, what do we need to do? Because now I feel like she's being reabandoned and that seems terrible, but we know that we're supposed to go with Rosette. So how do we do this? And she's like, Jeanette, honestly, this is the best decision you could have made because I know that I can sign Natalie today. I don't know that I'd ever be able to sign Rosette. And so we were just like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like we made the right decision. Like now this little girl who is in an orphanage, thousands of miles away, has a family now waiting for her. At that moment, we just started sending flashcards for sign language over to her. We sent multiple packages and then we just like waited with anticipation Her arrival in our family, and so we kind of did our practicing. And Jesse is always not always, but Jesse's fluent in sign language, so he would have silent nights where he would just sign at us, and I would just get really mad because I didn't know sign language, and he's just like flapping his hands at me, and it made me really annoyed. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. Just teach me instead of like just signing at me. And so we just started learning sign language as a family. And from that point, it was about another two and a half years that she came home. Yeah.
0: Okay. Hold on, Jeanette. So how old were your boys at that time?
1: Oh man, I'm so bad at this part. Um, so they were seven and five.
0: Okay. So here you guys are, you have your seven and your five-year-old boy. You're telling them about their little sister. You're totally fully preparing, learning all the sign language. And at that point, how long did you think, even though you knew there could be a possibility of hold up, what did you truly think like we will see our little girl in how many months did you feel like?
1: Oh, we for sure thought it was going to be like 6-7 months.
0: Okay. So here in your mind you're doing that, but in yeah. reality it ends up being
1: 30 months, 20, it is, 20 from and a half years, from the time say? we signed her, it was another another 18 months. Okay. So a year and a half.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to guess here you were. You're like, yes, Lord. Yes. I'm here for you. Tell me this is wonderful. Yes. We'll take this little girl from the democratic Republic of Congo. Yes. We'll take Natalie. Okay. Yes. We're open to this sweet girl. Who's going to be deaf. We'll learn the American sign language. And then you have to keep waiting. Was there a time where you were like, Lord, I'd I just don't know that I can say yes anymore. I don't know that I can be this brave and, and strong person you're calling me to be.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, it wasn't that I didn't think I could say yes anymore. It just was, that I couldn't like talk about it anymore. Like it was our battle to fight and I just couldn't keep involving our people because it was like almost weekly, like, Hey, any news, any news? And I was like, no, no, no. And it's like asking and it's very different but it's similar to asking like people who are going through infertility like when are you guys going to have a baby it's like oh like if you only knew the struggle but at the same time them asking made me feel heard and seen and so it was just yeah it just it got dark but at the same time in those that just that season was one of the closest with the lord because all i could do was cry out to god because it didn't make sense every other way. You know, like I could cry out to my friends and they'd be like, I'm so sorry. But with God, it was like, Lord, you did this. Like, this is your plan. And this is so silly. Like, why are you calling me to this? Why are you making her wait like this? Because one of the things we were always so frustrated and concerned with was Zoe was only getting older without language. And we don't realize as American hearing people, how much our kids take in when they're little, how that teaches them to speak, how that teaches them language from the get go. Like we talk to our infants about, oh, I've got your toes and I'm going to change your diaper. And you just talk to your child because they're your child. Well, a deaf child doesn't hear that. A deaf child's not inputting any language. And so, it's so different. And even a deaf baby, you're signing to, you're communicating with and all that stuff. And so Zoe had none of that until she came home. She had a little bit with the orphanage and like the flashcards and everything, but in, in our, and I'll say, I will only ever speak highly of our orphanage. The three kids that we know that came home from our orphanage have attached to their families so incredibly well. And I think that is because of their great and loving care but at the same time, you have an orphanage full of 15 kiddos. There's no way that you can spend time every day with this one deaf kid going over signs when you don't know it your, yourself. And so it was it wasn't that I couldn't say yes anymore. It was that I couldn't I almost couldn't be vulnerable anymore. Like I, I had to hit that fatigue of like this is too much for me. I can't I can't put all my people anymore. So tell us then, if we
0: have a friend that's going through this, what would you say is the advice? because I, I can understand how that was really wearing on you to emotionally to keep you and ask, but wh- what would your advice be? If we have a friend going through an adoption process,
1: how do we show up for them in the waiting? Yeah. I think the that's waiting true. period. It's so interesting. And it's so it's such a sweet thing because I think the people who loved us so well, just reminded us that we're not alone. I still have a piece of piece that like a magnet with a sticker on it that says like, we're in, we are with you till the end. And it was just such a sweet reminder. And so I think for people who are supporting their friends, whether it's domestic adoption or overseas adoption, I would say. Instead of asking like, what's the news? Like, Hey, did you have, do you have a recent picture? Like ask to see the child, ask to see like what's going on. Or, you know, if it's a, if it's a domestic adoption and they're waiting for a baby, be like, Hey, can you show me your waiting book? Can you show me, show me pictures, like involve yourself in that way. And, and also one of the hardest things is the fundraising. We did a lot of fundraising because our adoption was so expensive. And so like, what are some more ways that we can fundraise with you? Take it off of their plate a little bit. Um, one of our best and sweetest fundraisers was something that we just showed up to dinner and our friends said, okay, just tell your story. And we've already, we've prepped these people that we are going to ask them for a check at the end. And so it was like, just setting up a dinner party. that was like, Hey, we want you to support our friend our friends, and we are going to ask you for money. So we're going to let them share their story. You can, you can get to know these people. You can see their hearts. And when you leave, please hand us a check. And so it was just like, it's so, so sweet. And it was just stuff like that, that, that still matters to us as we are not in the trenches anymore, but like when adoption's hard, we are like, okay, we are loved on, we are cared, we are supported. And it's those people who remember it. So I think it's just, it's involving yourself with the child early on. And then it's also just being, um, being aware that it's like, we're not always just asking for money, but like, if you could help us ask for money, that'd be really great. <laughs> oh,
0: those are such great things. And I just got a little choked up thinking about the dinner party thing, because what a, what a beautiful gift in so many ways that must've been.
1: The cool part now is one of our friends. So our friend hosts the party and her best friend, it's like her best friend, but her parents gave us a really significant check and, her friend is now adopting and now we get to kind of pay it forward. And it's, it's always been my goal with my business and with everything I do that I just get to hand people money for adoption. That's my biggest goal in life is that I can just like, if somebody says, well, we're adopting, but we just don't know how we're going to make it work. I just want to be like, here is money. Just go like, just chase after this because money should not be the reason that we're fearful. Because it's going to come, it's going to happen, I can't tell you how many times bills were met because we were just being obedient, and so I want to be the source of that obedience for a lot of people and so I get to this this christmas actually uh send a send a check for an adoption, which just makes me like so freaking happy
0: ah oh, that's that is so cool. I love that that's a neat part of your story so fun, Jeanette, I think when we're talking about being brave moms in today's world, we can't omit the fact that when we realize we have done that in a world that doesn't always encourage it is that, you know, part of it is looking back and being proud of ourselves and thinking, yay, I did that. Lord, I, I'm so you you led me I followed it wasn't easy it was very difficult but I I'm so proud of myself for sticking with it when I could have given up so many times is there a little part when you look back I'm sure there's so many but where you are so proud of yourself Jeanette because it has to be so overwhelming some days in those little mom cracks of the day and you think wow oh my gosh, we did this. This journey actually happened for us. Tell me what you are so proud of in yourself and and with you and Jesse as a couple. Yeah.
1: I think our adoption made us so much stronger. Our move to Texas was like, when I say we plant, we like uplifted and moved and replanted our roots. It was a really hard thing because we left both of our families, like our parents, our siblings, our aunts and our uncles, like we like really like moved far away and we were alone. And so that makes me so proud to know that we like did it and survived and we're stronger on the other side. And then when I look at Zoe's adoption process and I think like, oh man, because we followed, oh, I'm going to get choked up Jennifer, because we followed the calling of the Lord, this sweet little girl is in a loving family. She might not feel that way all the time, (laughs) but she, she, because of our obedience, she was rescued from something that could have been really, really terrible for her. And it's not a pat on the back to us at all, but it is like that, like, Oh man, thank God. Thank God. This little girl is with us. Thank God. She does not have to worry or fear her for her life or for her body, but she is in a home with brothers and a mom and dad who, who fought for her. And I think when I think of anything in our process is we literally fought for her to come home and it was so, so hard and it was so, so expensive at the end of the day. She will never not know she was chosen by us and by her heavenly father. And so that is my biggest, like if I ever get a crown of bravery, that's what I want it to be. Like you fought for your daughter.
0: Ah, oh, I'm over here holding back tears. Oh, I love that you just said your crown of bravery that she will never not know she was fought for by her King and savior. And by you guys, that is just, that's amazing. And I, I'm so glad you're on here just sharing your story. It's so beautiful. And I, I really, I keep saying the phrase brave moms, but I think that's what it takes in this world. We're all sent into these battlefields. And if we're talking about the book of Joshua, I mean, they had no idea what the Israelites were going to be up against in these battlefields. And, and the waiting period was forever. I mean, we already know they waited in the desert for 40 years, but they, they stayed true. And, and they were steadfast in that fight, and that faith to a God that they knew loved them and had a plan. And thank you for sharing that with us here, because you said yes you originally thought, all right, we're going to have this sweet baby. It's going to be like maybe a year. I don't know. I waited nine months for my boys. I can wait a year for my girl. And and it took much longer. And I can't even imagine how much fight you and Jesse had to have inside. So that's just, it's so inspiring. You answered one of my questions I was going to have for you. What prepared you to be strong and courageous? And it sounds like you would never have known what your leap in faith from move, moving, from Alaska to Texas would teach and train
1: your soul to be able to endure yeah, in the future. Yeah, for sure. I've, I was always taught just take one step, like one step at a time. Like we kind of, I'm a pastor's kid. And so it was like, walk in faith was kind of like drilled into our heads as, as children. And, when we told my husband's family that we were moving to Texas, they, they were very upset with us. Why, why would you do this? Why? I was like, I honestly don't know, but we have to step in faith. And it was a very foreign thing for them until God called them to move. And they're like, this is what you mean. We don't know why we're supposed to move, but we're supposed to move. And I was like, ha! see. And so I think it was just one step of obedience at a time, And then straight into the adoption process. I mean, it was, it was nine months that we were here in Texas that God called us to adopt. And so it was very much like, okay, well, we're just going to step, we're just going to step and we're going to exercise that faith and, and that belief that we are not out here alone. And I think that that's the best just actively walking in that. And it's like, I always say, there's a quote from the movie we bought a zoo and says, all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. And I promise you will change the world. As we exercise that 20 seconds, every time we exercise that 20 seconds, we get braver and braver. And it's the same with stepping in faith. Every time we step in faith, we get a little bit braver and we see that God has got us even more, whether it's easy or not, like every step builds upon itself. And so we can walk through these really hard and scary things because he's been proven true to us. And so I think that's the biggest thing I learned from Alaska to Texas to Africa was every step of the way he was with us, whether it was scary or not, he had us and it was just his plan. Well,
0: and that takes us back full circle here because Joshua 1.9 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. The Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go even if it's a waiting period, even if it's many years, many battlefronts, he's there. He wants to walk hand in hand with us. Jeanette, one thing um, that I, you definitely touched on, but how would you, how do you think this has changed the
1: future of your own family? One of my very favorite things is when my boys talk about adopting somebody. When we say like, Because I'll tell you, like, within our home, adoption is celebrated, but it's not, like, Zoe was adopted. It's not a um, praise thing. It's just, like, a fact. Zoe's adopted. And it's also, we, they see the ins and outs of having a sibling that has a traumatic background. So... Every once in a while, we'll talk about like their families and when they are dating and how they'll, how they'll date or how they'll do, you know, stuff. And, and I said, well, what about when you adopt? And they're like, oh yeah, we'll probably adopt. So I need to make sure I find somebody like a wife who wants to adopt. And the funny thing is of all of our children who talk about adoption, so he's like, nah, probably won't do that. <laughs> but it is, I think our family line has changed because I think our boys have a heart for adoption that they might not have had before. Ah,
0: that is so cool. That's so cool. And it'll just be a natural thing. Like I remember when I married Matt, this doesn't compare, but I knew we had to have a dog. Now when he listens to this, he'll be like, wait a second. We haven't had a dog in four years (laughs) (laughs) because our sweet boxer died. And then we didn't get one because babies, allergies, whatever. But I knew when we got married, I just knew that was the package deal. We had to have a dog because my husband grew up with one. I didn't. But so hopefully that's just the thing. Like your boys tell their future spouse, they court, they date, whatever. And they're like, you know, that's part of the package here. And that's beautiful. It's It's sweet. Of course, I'm going to ask you a together question to close this out. It's from the date night game and the category, the circle of trust. Jeanette, how would your family describe your qualities as a child that shaped you into
1: the person you are today? I love Broadway like so much, and I grew up performing. Our school had like these cute little plays that we would do, but like Newsies and Annie, and so like I got to be in both of those things, and then everything we did revolved around a musical, and it was just the best. And so I grew up performing, and. My family would tell you I grew up performing and my teachers would tell you I performed my way through high school and elementary school. (laughs) I was told all the time, if you could just control your mouth, your chatter, your performance right now, then we really could get somewhere with your education. And so I think it's no surprise to my family. I do what I do now. I'm not always performing, but I am always talking. (laughs) So I think the love of talking and the love of kind, not being the center of attention. Cause that sounds bad, but the love of performing really has shaped my, my career. Even now.
0: I'd agree with that. I'm so glad that you dove full force into that because you've changed my life for so much better because of it for sure. Well, oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Jeanette. You are indeed a brave mom. That Tapley family you are building in Texas is just beautiful. I love following your sweet family. You're boys and little girl, all kinds of greatness. Thank you for being courageous to be here and share your story. Oh, thank
1: you so much for having me. It's so fun. And, and just that reminder, like adoption's not for everyone, but supporting people is, and if you ever needed anything like a a friend to talk to, I'm here for you.
0: Yes. Tell us where to follow you in case they do want to reach out to you.
1: Absolutely. I'm on Instagram at Jeanette Tapley and you can check me out on my website, JeanetteTapley.com or the podcast website. It's time for coffee pod. So I'm all too easy to get a hold of. You
0: absolutely are. Jeanette will always reach back out to you. All right, girl. Well, I know you will inspire a whole lot of mamas here to step out and be brave in whatever God is calling them to do right now. I hope so. Thanks girl. Yay! Okay, that was awesome. I hope you enjoyed that. I got choked up so many times. If you love what you're gathering through these episodes, please screenshot, tag us, share with friends, and leave a review. It is the best compliment you can give us. It is so encouraging, and together we can help grow stronger, families be sure to follow us at together moments on instagram and facebook leave us a dm check out all our incredible games and tools and your free family resources at togethermoments.com as always take time to gather together to grow and speak the words that matter